Welcome back to Mental Radio, where we talk about mental health from a holistic perspective. I'm your host, Jesse Zuckman, and we had to take a little break. We took a little hiatus. First, we had COVID hit, and we had to pivot. Now we've got an uprising on top of the COVID, and we had to pivot a little bit. Um, but I'm happy to say we have we are ready to bring you content weekly, and I have a new co-host named Dr. Broderick Sawyer. You may have seen him, seen him on a stream. We've done a couple of streams so far. He's an activist. He's a meditation teacher. He is a scholar and a, and a psychotherapist, and he is all in on holistic mental health, and especially right now where we have a rebellion going on in the United States um, around uh, police brutality, white supremacy, racial domination. Um, Dr. Broderick's you know, the key thing that he treats, his his specialty is race-based trauma. He is a black man working in Louisville, Kentucky, in the black community, working with activists, stay um, as healthy as they can during this time, during this stressful time and, and re-traumatizing time. And just, you know, it is where we are. He's helping folks hold on. And I'm really excited so he can help more folks hold on. And, and, and manage the best that they can. Um, so we're going to be hearing me talk to Dr. Broderick every week. We're going to be talking about a lot of different things. If there's something you want to hear, let me know on Twitter, at Zookman, Z-O-O-K-M-A-N-N. Um, and, and we're going to be doing this every Friday. It's going to be streaming Friday afternoon. Check the feeds to find out exactly when. But uh, yeah, this conversation, we, we did it kind of last minute. We just wanted to get grounded, see how Dr. Broderick is doing, see how the community has, how his community is doing, how his patients are doing, so on and so forth, just to kind of get set up and grounded in what is. Also, be on the lookout for two meditations. We're doing two meditations uh, with Dr. Broderick, one on breath work and one on mindfulness, guided meditations, and for free of charge learn how to meditate with uh, mental health media and Dr. Broderick. Th- those will be on the podcast feed soon after this, uh, pretty soon coming up. I don't know exactly when soon. And, uh, and yeah, but before I get to Dr. Broderick, if you like what you hear, check us out mental health media. You can get a shirt. You can subscribe to our feeds. You can make a tax deductible contribution and uh, find out how you can be involved. Um, and with that all said, I'm excited to start this one off on uh, a tough day and on uh, a somber note, but uh, a somber day, but also um, excited to share with you what is coming. All right. With that said, I give you Dr. Broderick. All right, let's get going. Let's do this. Let's get into it. Let's get real. Let's get real. Dr. Mm. Broderick, um, if someone mm. just tuned into the stream and they said, oh, who's Dr. Broderick? Who's Dr. Broderick? Well, they're going to have to find out, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you're a, uh, you're a psychologist down in, in Louisville. I am. Psychologist, um, mental health advocate, um, meditation teacher, um, activist. Uh, many different hats. Um, really, I think the best way best way to describe me is just someone who's dealt with a host of mental health issues in his life, 
but to get his doctorate in clinical psychology is using a lot of that information um, to well, first do provide one-on-one -on -one therapy for folks, also group therapy too, um, but then also teach meditation um, just within the community. Um, now in the age of Corona, it's a lot of different Zoom calls with different folks who might want uh, meditation practice and mindful skills to deal with stress. Um, yeah, and then also joining in um, a lot of different activist organizations, whether it's just being in the room sometimes with meetings and sure. providing um, just the the psychological piece of activism and sort of liberating the mind. Um, and also sometimes there's organizational psychology stuff that could be useful. And sometimes me just being in the room, running my mouth and people are like, oh, okay, yeah, no, that's helpful. Um, and then it just gives the organizers um, of a lot of these different movements, um, just, just another brain, just another, another voice. Um, I just want to help in any, any way that I really can, um, being from a marginalized community, being a black man, yeah. um, you know, growing up the way that I did, um, I think psychology as a field has a lot more to offer, um, activism and social justice than, than it has so far. Um, so yeah, I guess that's, that's who I am for now. Yeah. yeah. How are you doing? How is it's been a tough week? How are you holding up? Shit. It is, it's difficult. It's difficult. No lie. Um, I'm on the one hand, uh, reacting to generational trauma, you know, it, it's the, the pent up, uh, rage. It's beyond anger. It's, it's rage at a system that has, you know, kidnapped, right, my ancestors. And if that rage was expressed back then, um, they would be killed. And very similarly now as well, you see this pent up rage um, at the machine. And when that rage has nowhere to go, it can really destroy the inner landscape of, of black and brown folks. Um, so, so I'm mad at someone, they're abusing me, they're victimizing me, but I can't express that anger at the system or then I'll be hurt more. Mm -hmm. So it's really this rock in a hard place emotionally. Um, but this week, is, um, I think there's been the emotion for me of uh, grief more than anything else. Um, and I just really try to find and build space in my meditation practice so that I can feel sad, but also hang out with you here mm -hmm. and describe my experience uh, from that place, from what I, what I am, what I'm feeling. But then at the same time, see that, okay, you know, describing uh, my experience to folks can, can maybe hopefully, you know, do some good. Because um, I know everyone's really struggling with their own reactions and one reaction and I or someone else might feel today. Um, you know, depending on their background, they could be coming from a, you know, black and brown, black and brown background like me. Um, they could be coming from a privileged background. I think our, you know, all of our reactions, uh, ebb and flow moment to moment, they're very individual. And I think it's really hard because we want to have a final analysis of something, you know, but, um, Corona's got everybody stressed out. Everybody's afraid. Everyone's more on edge. Um, and then we have the ongoing killings of of black and brown people um, by police. 
Uh, and then, you know, last night, especially, I think, um, you know, just watching a lot of the, um, things being posted on Twitter in real time. So I'm just up. I remember just sitting over in my chair up like one, two, just watching what's going down in Minneapolis and praying that national guard doesn't come in there and listen to the dog whistling. Um, well, my dog was, I'll call it barking now that Trump is doing, um, so I was yeah, thankful that more didn't go down in that way, that those protesters, I hope, were able to maintain safety as much as they could as they expressed just rage. Um, as, as Malcolm X put it, you know, when a, a racial powder keg in your lap doesn't just go away. Right. It's very dangerous, you know, and I hope that um, the system really sees this, you know, but then again, um, there's a sense of hopelessness in me that, that maybe they won't and this will just continue. So, But I don't know. A lot, a lot of unknowing, but I'm really sitting with a lot of um, just grief, a lot of uh, traumatizing emotions um, or traumatized emotions kind of coming up um, that I'm just really holding within my meditation practice, my spiritual practice and making sure that I'm um, continuing to devote my energy towards others without – um, neglecting myself. Um, so yeah, yeah, I, I could kind of keep, you know, I could kind of keep rambling, but, um, that was the purpose of this call anyway, you know, what's, what's <laughs> going on what's, what's happening on, on the inside. Um, yeah. So you're, you're dealing with this, not only trying to take care of yourself, trying to deal with your own, traumatic reaction to the news, to the brutality that we cannot avoid now. Yeah. You put on yeah. Twitter, Facebook, it's everywhere. That's, I, I, you know, uh, my heart breaks that for everyone who has to endure that. On the same side, you, ha you're, you are there for your clients. Mm -hmm. um, what, wh that, that's a huge, I just want to acknowledge that, that huge role you're providing um, right now for people. But my, my question also mm -hmm. is, um, what do you see that people really need? People who are your clients, are, are you seeing anything? Mm -hmm. What, what are you seeing? What are your takeaways or just yeah. where, where people are and, and what's helping yeah, if anything? Yeah. I'd say, um, I'd say in this, in these situations when we're talking about, uh, race-based trauma, you know, generational trauma, um, killing of killings of you know unarmed black folks. Um, I would say that this realm is less patient-centered for me. I do have a few patients who suffer from uh, race-based you know, traumatic stress, but the majority of the folks um, that I'm speaking to are holding space for. Hmm. Um, they, they might be activists. They might be um, you know, college students, uh, mentees, uh, family members, um, you know, uh, people who are sort of leaning on each other in that way. There's this discussion I had with my mentee earlier today, you know, because I almost canceled that appointment. Mm -hmm. um, I felt like he needed to see me like this. Mm -hmm. He needed to understand no, no one is, is you know, is, uh, is impervious to these feelings. It's just about creating a, a sense of spaciousness 
within oneself to hold the full reality of what's going on, including the reality that we don't know what's going to happen next. Um, and, um, so we're all sort of having a very similar reaction, being very low. Mm-hmm. And even folks who do a lot of this work, there's a lot of academic friends who are, you know, study race-based stress and trauma. They're having a really hard time focusing, mm-hmm. uh, really just being low, being down. Um, so I'm just really trying to, um, whether it's posting things that might educate people on social media, um, I try to uplift people as much as, you know, I can to help them sort of, um, you know, ride, ride a lot of this out, also keeping in mind the bigger picture, um, you know, of what social justice really, really means in the long run and how to really build that. Um, so, so a lot, man, there, there's a lot and there are many things sort of unsaid too. And when we're a lot of heightened emotions and, um, feeling grief, you know, feeling overwhelmed by my own dramatic reaction, um, you, you might miss things that you might be able to see in a few weeks, a few months, right. you know, a few years, right? So it's um, kind of this incomplete analysis. And I think that's been the struggle for social justice for a very long time. Um, what is it and how does it, um, how do we roll with it as the contexts shift in our society, whether it's no internet and then, okay, now there's internet. Like, whoa, yeah. that changes everything. It's a paradigm shift. Um, age of information and oh wait no age of information that you get to choose which information you like versus you don't well, well damn right you know, so it's um it's very challenging so i'm just trying to really stay within myself very deeply and stay and understand and be with my reactions as they are with a sense of spaciousness with breath with compassion with kindness and allowing everything to arise as it does um, while also being ready to jump into action um, and, and for me, that looks like, um, you know, uh, someone emailing me, hey, look, you know, we're, you know, I'm in Louisville, you know, sort of actually say, hey, look, we're overwhelmed. You have resources, mm-hmm. um, black specific resources. And I'm like, okay, yeah, jump, let's go now. Mm-hmm. I need this now. Um, so still having that ability, but also being very, very careful to take care of myself, um, not overextend uh, different things like that. Um so I'm just, you know, here along for the ride, you know, I wish I knew more about what the ride looked like. Um, but, um, yeah, it's just moment to moment. You know, I think it's, it's been really, uh, tricky being in, in Louisville too, and really, really painful for me, you know, just sitting again on my phone, looking at the Minneapolis stuff. And the last I checked about an hour before, um, I think National Guard called, was called to go to Minneapolis an hour before that. Um, I'm looking on my phone at the Louisville protests and just making sure things are safe, you know, because because I know I know I know some of these people. Yeah, I've worked with some of these folks and um, um, unpredictable times and things they do for this community, what they mean to this community. Um, I, you know, I, I would hate for anything to happen to them. So that was my real fear. And then as, you know, word got out about the shooting, um, you know, still no word. I'm going to have to, you know, sort of check. No word on who shot who. Um, you know, there's there's fear that, um, you know, the, because the initial word was um, it wasn't police uh, who shot these folks. Um, you know, but then the fear, you know, that's coming from the police. So I don't know. 
you know, um, only the people on the ground knew. Um, and then also, um, you know, the, the fear that it could have been just white supremacists. Yeah. You know, just at, at the, at the protest, mm. um, just looking to get a, get a body count and that, that's just this, this is where we, we are. Yeah. Um, it, it can really, really, really hit home in a lot of different ways. Things are becoming very, very clear as far as Corona, right? The problems in our society, the ills in our society, um, but then we see racism this clearly. You know, some could argue that when, you know, with Trayvon Martin, it was clear. Yeah. You know, with Mike Brown, it was clear. Yeah. Now, here we are in the age of Corona, and things are even more clear and more explosive. Yeah. It's, it's where do we, how do we find justice? Um, but then is that justice one, you know, isolated event you know, and then someone else's set of justice is a different circumstance, you know. Um, so it's, um, you know, rest made in Minneapolis. Um, that officer uh, was arrested. But um, then what about Breonna Taylor? You know, what's what's going to happen here? Um, and then what happens in another few months or, you know, when another thing like this happens? Is it just gonna, you know, keep going? So there's that that fear. Well, we always have to, um, you know, react this way to be heard. Does it always have to be this loud? How many times? How many yeah. times? You know. Um, but then I, I'm thinking more long range because that, I don't see that as exactly. Um, I can talk about it. I can, you know, analyze it, but I don't see that exactly as my role. Um, uh, whereas my role is more so in is trying to help people manage those reactions as they come up, but then also think long term. Um, what does the liberated mind look like? How does a person walk through life as a person of color and not internalize the messages of racists and white supremacists um, so that they can focus on building up their own communities and, and not rely you know, on the system that system that oppresses them um, for resources, for, for care. It's a very dangerous situation if you're relying on your oppressor to take care of you. And I think there's a lot loaded into that. There's mm. a lot loaded because it's trauma. Yeah. You know, I have to have been, you know, if I don't rely on a slave owner, if I'm, you know, rewind a, you know, a bunch of years back, if I don't rely on a slave owner, then I'm kind of asked out. I'm, I'm screwed. Are they going to kill me or they're going to catch me or, um, you know, how do I, you know, so then we can see that, well, uh, how do I not, how do I say, yeah, no, I'm not going to work a nine to five, you know, how do I refuse that? You know, if I, if I am in a, in an impoverished neighborhood, you know, um, it's really economically disadvantaged. I can't afford, you know, to start up my, my black business all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I think that's what makes me really value Louisville, you know, in a lot of ways, because I think a lot of that work is being done despite the circumstances. Yeah. You know, despite those those circumstances, a lot of care, a lot of love here. Um, and I'm sure it's very similar across a lot of other black communities mm-hmm. across the country. They don't televise that. Right. Yeah. It's, that, you know. um, no, they don't. 
and you know having i mean my my first wake up to that and i now just realized how much of a bubble i was in was i shot a documentary in allentown pennsylvania and i lived there for for two weeks and lived with uh a gentleman who was doing gang rescue where he'd walk into a gang and say, Hey, you want a job? You got to drop this gang, but we're going to, you got to take care of kids. Yeah. And I had no idea that that even, he found me. He said, come on out, document, see what we're doing. And there's beautiful work like that doing, going on all over the place. And no, it's not in the media. People don't <laughs> see that kind of work. And to be doing that, I mean, the, what you just said to me is, is really stunning because not only, is the black community dealing with disproportionate coronavirus right now? Not only are you dealing with being terrorized by police, you're dealing also de- dealing with a fear mm-hmm. of what will happen, of repercussions of uh, federal enforcement on yeah. activists or local enforcement or just clashes, whatever. Yeah. And then you're dealing with white supremacist, the fear of white, white, the valid fear of white supremacist violence of people just coming in to take advantage of a chaotic situation. Yeah. This is one of the most stressed out situations to be in of all time. I mean, mm-hmm. this is like uncomprehensible to most people in the society that they would have to live under that. And that is the default for a lot of people right now a lot of people man a lot of people it's just becoming um and and there's there's two parts of me you know there there's the one part which is i hope i hope no one gets gets hurt you know yeah but then there's another part of me that said um in the um the uh, george floyd case um, it says, well, uh, they burned down the police uh, precinct, the third precinct. Um, and then they got an arrest. Yeah. So, so it's a, a lot of what, um, I can't remember if it was Martin or Malcolm at this point. Both, I'm sure. Line, yeah, yeah. By the end of their <laughs> lives, they're pretty much like, okay, now I see. We met in the middle. <laughs> Um, what he said, what one of them said, you know, was that, um, the only language that America understands is violence, which is a very scary thing. It's a very scary thing. I, I just don't want it to be that way. And even as, as Malcolm, you know, put it back in the day, he said, you know, um, look throughout history and all the different revolutions, they always ended, you know, in, in fighting and bloodshed. And then he goes, he further says, he says, America has the opportunity to become the first bloodless revolution. It just, it just takes listening. It takes policy change. It, it takes not upsetting your buddies down in the police union. You know, it just, it, it just is what it is. The, the people run the country. Yeah. The people run the country. And, um, and that's, just, that's just what it is. That's just what it is. It's what it what it should be, you know. How can people in your life take care of you right now in this situation? What would make a difference? Mm. Interesting. How do they? How can they take care of me? 
will first take care of themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say if, if this person is a person of color, take care of themselves. If you're from a privileged group, um, observe your own biases. Don't stay silent. Don't say nothing. Um, really make it make it your problem that these things are happening. You know, one um, one one quote by Ram Dass I particularly like. He goes, "You start to realize at a certain stage of awakening to the suffering in the world that um, either all of us make it or none of us do, mm-hmm. and that's interconnectedness. That's yeah. interconnectedness. So when someone is taking care of themselves, they're taking care of me." You know, when someone's um, taking on my pain of racial trauma from a privileged background and using that to then engage in activism within their circles and challenging other white people in their circles to take on more, to do more, um, that's helping me. That's helping them. That's helping everybody. Um, so, yeah, it's um, for me, it's just, yeah, people people check up on me. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm pretty aggressive. Uh, with um, my coping practices, yeah, you know, and as, as a full-time clinician, right, so I hold space for people all the time, and I've been doing that for you know, sort of full-time clinical work since like 2017. Um, so I think I'm pretty, pretty well built, yeah, um, to hold a lot of that stuff, and also be aware and mindful when it is getting overwhelming. Um, even just to do this stream, I noticed, oh yeah, yeah, I just got to slow down. Mm-hmm. No, don't be where you're not. You can still do some good by just talking about your experiences. Sure. You know, um, or just listening to someone. I've had those long therapy days, you know, that you're that last client, you know, and um, you're, you're gassed. Sometimes it's just listening. Just listen. This is more more than you think. Um, but, you know, I think um, as a black man, there's this thing called John Henryism. So John Henry... Um, myth about him. He stopped a train from, you know, running over a black community, I believe it was. And, um, his heart stopped and he died in that mm. moment. And, um, John Henryism is a, is a, a phrase from, um, uh, African American mental health. And, um, same thing as a strong black woman persona. Mm-hmm. It's sort of this, I don't have feelings. I can do anything. Mm-hmm. And then as black folks, we then hit this wall and we're like, Whoa, what is this? Where'd my energy go? Where'd my resilience go? Yeah. Um, we're, we're very, very used to, um, you know, as, as Chappelle would put it in some bit, he said, uh, Chappelle goes, um, then I asked myself a question that black men in America don't have enough time or money to ask themselves. I asked myself how I felt, mm. you know, and, and that like with, with humor, sure, but it it is... It is such a tool to be able to sort of shut off those emotional reactions and do what you have to do for your community, for your ancestors, for sure. your people. To survive. To survive. That's what it's about. I'm not going to let, you know, what my ancestors did for me. I'm not going to let that go by the wayside. You know, let it go, you know, let it go to waste. Um, but still, it's being mindful that, yeah, sure, that energy is there. I can tap into it when I need to but I also need to restock my resources. And I think that's the balance that I've had to learn as a black male. There's a lot of rage there. There's a lot of that stuff I've learned to sort of wrestle down and, um, you know, um, hone and use um, in positive directions. Um, and building creatively, 
creating our community, you know, having these critical conversations, but it can, it can destroy you if you don't, you know, really work with and sit with yourself and process your emotions, you know, cry, you know, grieve. The grief is only really a measure of the love. The grief only brings you closer to your community. You realize how much you love them. You love each other. Um, and then that can also bring in, you know, allies, you know, people who see not me, the color me or the community me, but see a being right, who's articulating the situation for black people that has been there for a very long time. Once our, once understood, once you can see that, you can then look at these situations differently. You don't look at a look at it as a riot. You look at it as um, how Mark Lamont Hill put it. Um, you look at it as rebellion. You know, it's established. We're not going to do what you want us to do. You know, you start to see beings rather than others. And maybe feel, you know, I would. Oh, yeah. You know, it comes. Only- um, I have to ask, I just heard sirens and saw uh, flashing lights. So are you okay with where you are right now? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. There's a nursing home literally right right next to me. It's very, very morbid, but yeah. <laughs> I'm doing all right. Is this, so, you know, people want, you know, it's like there's this, maybe this biggest call to change the world right now around race in America and everyone has to stay home and do social distancing. Mm-hmm. Is the online posting, do you find it helpful? Does it help your spirit to see allies posting in solidarity? Yeah. 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 And I, and I don't even argue that similar to what I was saying before, um, those explosions, um, in, in race have, have happened as of late with Corona, everybody's sitting with themselves. Mm-hmm. They're seeing themselves as they are. They're seeing, uh, you know, the world as it is. So this is honestly one of the best times, um, you know, to engage in that sort of stuff and reflect, you know, what what is my role in pushing white supremacy forward? And um, I think now this this is. This is a, an opinion here, but I think it's in not taking sides. Okay. Racism. You can't just not be racist. You have to be anti-racist. Mm-hmm. You have to be. You have to weed it out of yourself, and you have to um, challenge system structures, individuals at your dinner table. Do You have to make us stink as if a black person is right there. Now just pretend, pretend you're, you know what I mean? Just pretend it's you, you know? And, and that's, and that's the other piece of it. You can't, even people who are listening to this and on the fence, uh, well, it doesn't really affect me. Well, if you have a racial powder keg in your lap in one day or another, and it just gets more and more explosive. I think this week it's been showing that, whoa, this is getting explosive. And um, it's already it's already been explosive. It's just now you're, you're seeing more of it. It's coming to your front door. It's coming. Mm. So what can you do? 
you know, act- activists in Louisville who are, um, who are white, um, they were out there lining up, you know, as a human chain in between uh, cops and protesters who were people of color. Like that. You know, like we, we are all free or none of us are. You can only gentrify so much so before, you know, it, it gets to you. You know, and even, even folks, this is also my argument for, shit, for President Trump himself. It would be easier for you to, um, it would be easier for you to create a society that's based on equality. It would make it easier for you. Why? You wouldn't have to look over your shoulder and keep trying to protect yourself or protect yours and be so paranoid about, oh, I need other people on their knees to feel like I'm good enough. Like that's your problem. Yeah. And we're calling your bullshit. We're calling you on it. No more gaslighting. Lies in that way, they, they, can't, they can't really continue in the age of information. You know, I, I think the, the clock is really running out, you know, on the lies of the structure and these laws and whatnot. Like, we know. I mean, it's, I'm never going to congratulate the mainstream media, but I'm old enough now to have seen an evolution of this where a lot of the mainstream media is not even like saying the riots are bad. They're yeah. saying it's inevitable. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that's the, you know, that's not the barometer of where you want to live, right? But if that's the conservative voice. <laughs> yeah, man. It means something. It means something. That's the, that's what I, what I hope, you know? Um, but I, there's also this very cynical Malcolm rings in my head for all, for you all that don't, you know, know me. Um, well, Malcolm is like, um, he was the basis of my dissertation. You know, he just exudes mindfulness of what is and self-compassion and loving yourself. So it's a little, me and Malcolm, but Malcolm, this, this cynical side of me, he goes, um, uh, he goes in the sixties we're we're trapped, you know, double trapped, triple trapped in any potential solution is just another trap. Yeah. And that is how it has felt for a very, very long time. Um, yet I do think that more grassroots movements who are looking to build community, you know, black community, you know, not, not a black revolt, you know, but just a black community where we support each other. We, you know, we grow food with each other. We, um, we have our own businesses set up, you know, we have infrastructure, we still pay our taxes, we do all that, you know what I mean? Um, but we're we're building. Um, that's one piece of the puzzle. However, the rage at the system, which has been uh, just abusing us since you know, since the slave trade, that it's just un- it's unaddressed. It's just in us, and it's also in in white people too. You know, I, I kind of refer to it as this unconscious shame. I don't want to face, mm-hmm. you know, this reality. Then I'm going to have to feel it too. But now, now it's not just going to be black people healing from racial trauma. It's going to be me needing to face my own grief or, oh, my goodness. Mm. What, what is happening to them? You know, what's, what's, 
what have my ancestors done to hurt these people? You know? Um, but if that goes unaddressed, then the trauma just keeps getting played out unconsciously. If we don't own our, our shit, it owns us. And then we act out on that racism. And then you start seeing some of these racist actions. When you look at them through a lens of denial and deflection, they start to make a little bit more sense. Yeah. When you're doing things out of not wanting to feel pain, sorrow, rage, and really be real with the reality of what, of where you're at and how that, you know, just historically it hurts other people or, you know, maybe you're part of a, you know, a, a, you know, if you're on the, on the top of one of these pyramids, a lot of these pyramids can't work if you treat everybody, Mm-mm. if you, if you pay brown and black people that are doing the work a fair wage, you might not, they're not, might not be the same, the pyramid might not have the same slope. So it's not even cynicism. It's just... It's mm. common sense. And then if you're on top sense. of the pyramid and mm. you have that pain because you're a human being, mm-hmm. because you know it's not right, mm-hmm. deep down, but you can't face that. And mm-hmm. then you're just going to act out to create a diversion, a distraction, a deflection yep. to get away from your own feelings. Yep, yep, yep. Make it it becomes a lot less confusing of what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know? That's really it. It's just like, you know, if you have someone has, uh, you know, um, difficult relationship with um, one of their parents and they keep acting out that relationship unconsciously and it continues to hurt them. Right. If that's within one lifetime, who's to say that we're not acting out the same dynamic of slavery, You know, that same exact dynamic, you know, there's. Um, I would say, yeah, just just unconsciously wanting to see us ourselves as good people. Yeah, I think that that's really the 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 root of a lot of this. I need to see myself as better than though to feel good enough. You know, that's and I love how T- Tony Morrison puts it. She gets she's got agitated with this white. Um, this white uh, news host, she's like, so racism, huh? What is that all about? Sticks the mic in her face. And then she's like, well, you tell me. <laughs> you know, this isn't my problem. This is not my problem. You know, I'm not viewing myself here as a mm. victim. Why people are just insecure. And yeah. that's the basis of her, her, her um, I was going to say argument, but I'll just say statement. Um, why do you need people on their knees to feel that way? Your culture is narcissism? Is that what white culture, or excuse me, white supremacist culture is? It's built on exactly that. White supremacy. Mm-hmm. Supreme. You need to have the name supreme in your name? Wow. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's insecure. Um and and I think that this is this is deep stuff we're talking about, yeah. like deep psychological unconscious stuff, which um, what two hundred forty six years of slavery, um, in the in America, and then um, only one hundred fifty one hundred seventy so years afterward, 
there hasn't we haven't even passed that amount of time yet. You see what I'm saying? So it's so it's festering. And I think we really forget that it's always festering. Um I mean, it goes it goes from small little microaggressions all the way up to um, un- unarmed black people getting killed, you know, and then the circumstances that create that, you know, here, yeah, you just, you know, like with, um, with slaves, you know, down out of the out of the big house, out of the, you know, the plantation owner's house down in their little community where we feed them leftovers and. They have to work for us, for our livelihood. Then you think, push all the black people into these communities with these low-income jobs and, you know, Walmart and McDonald's and whatnot. And and who's making all that money? You know, who's making that? And and you see that it is, you know, as far as pattern-wise, the same situation. You have some black people, you know, who are challenging that. Mm Mm-hmm. You have a lot of men of color mm-hmm. who are seeing a, a lot of the controlling of their bodies, you know, um, and then where does that leave us as a community? Where do we build from there? Still healing from our wounds, but still being abused in these ways. Yeah. You know, this is coming from a very privileged black man, you know, um, but still, to to be in tune in this way, you can't run from it. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I mean, check the guy, you know, dude in uh in New York, bird watching man. Saw the video of him. I was like, this guy, this is a Harvard grad, all that. You can't. You cannot. You cops show up. You're just another black. Man. You know, and, and it's that, it's that deep. So I kind of see then being now. Those so people speaking slavery versus now. Sure, we're free, but how? How? How much? In comparison, yeah, yeah, it gets real similar when you really similarly vulnerable real fast. Yeah, if you don't look exactly the perfect fucking way, if you're not wearing, I mean, it just seems. It's true, if man. If you're not wearing, if you're not hyper vigilant, yeah. and you can't, you can't protect yourself. I think that's the other, the other key there. Um, it's just. An older black professor um, told me this, and I was angry with him at first when he told me this. Um, he, goes, he goes, Broderick, uh, you can't control what people project onto you as an outspoken, um, intelligent black man. You will not ever be able to control what's projected onto you. So it doesn't matter always, you know, what you're saying. You could be, you could be right. You could be nice. Be friendly, um, but if there's a scared white person around you, some white woman, she's calling cops. You know, it's a white man. I mean, I've had you know white man follow me in a car for a few blocks like that. You know, I've been in Louisville where I've gotten certain you know aggressive looks from larger groups of white men. Yeah, you know, we're seeing that on the internet all the time now. Like it's not just the yeah, you know the Karen; it's the men too. You know, flashing Bro. guns, doing. Uh, Man, it's just, real. people just trying to deliver a package. I've seen, I think I've seen three of those this week on the internet. People just trying to deliver a package. Mm-hmm. People either calling the cops or threatening violence for nothing. Yeah. And you have the FedEx badge and every, like everything. You got everything. You got the badge. Yeah. You got the outfit. Yeah, doesn't man. do it. Doesn't, 
the only thing that makes sense is that, you know, this level of unconsciousness of unaddressed sort of wounds relating to a certain population. I wonder how many slave owners, you know, had to shove down how badly they might have felt. I don't know. I don't know. They had to shove it down pretty deep, though. They had to shove it down pretty deep. And to, to view another person as subhuman, you know, this this particular person I've arrested, I'm just going to lean on their neck. You know, it's, it's wild. It's wild shit. It's wild shit. Um, and there's always the question for me of being very compassionate. Um, you know, they, they don't know what they're doing. You know, it's unconscious. There's that one side. I mean, it doesn't mean I'm not going to speak up to them. But, you know, what the fuck? You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that. Mm-hmm. Um, you can see the imperfection people. Then there's the other part of me. It's just like, wow. What if that is just super intentional? What if that is just I'm inflicting pain, you know, on this on this black man? You know, or what if, you know, before bursting into Brianna Taylor's home, they were thinking, well, all right, we should do a perimeter check or we should do these extra things, but they're black anyway. I don't know that. I don't know that information. You know, a lot of unknowns, but um, yeah, it's, um, I think we're beyond the sort of promises, I think, from, from elected officials, you know, not just having to do with, um, with black specific issues, but just generally, you know, I was watching some of those debates and I'm just like, this is such an act. And who doesn't see that this is an act? Who doesn't see that by now? Yeah. You know, um, odd times, very unpredictable times. Yeah. I saw, I saw Cuomo just basically saying all the right things yesterday. It's like, while he's trying to cut Medicaid, which of course, affects black folks more than any, I mean, I don't know about anyone, but disproportionately affects them. Yeah. Because they're poor. Exactly. Why are they poor? Why do they need extra help with medical benefits? Hmm. They're saying all the right things. That's right. That's right. And it's like, it's a rock and a hard place. And I was at um, a friend of mine I went on internship with. Um, he's actually a lawyer as well as becoming a psychologist, jack of all trades. Um, he said laws are to control bodies and you don't really realize that until you think about it. Well, here, you're going to act this way, your body or take your, take your livelihood within, we'll have guns with this, we'll make you. And when there is that much history, you know, loaded into race dynamics, so much dehumanization, so much fear that black people will retaliate against us because we fear that they are us, you know, which really we're just going to get, get out of our way. Um, just let, it, let us live. Um, when you really settle into that, you see how, how really, um, a loss of words really, the, the, just the predicament that those on the lower rung of 
society privilege wise you see how defenseless and vulnerable they really are how they really are um you can come in at any time and control bodies control money control communities and um you talk internalized racism you control minds yeah broderick no one's gonna listen to you if you use your you know your slang you know, how, how you grew up talking in your natural state. You know, people aren't going to listen to that. Um, unless you articulate it in an intelligent way. So even the fact that I had to do that. People told you that. as a person. Um, the world tells you as you grow up, it's trial yeah. and error. Yeah. You know, I'll act like this. I'll just be myself. I'm pissed at racism, blah, blah, blah. And, oh, no. We're not gonna listen to you. Mm-hmm. Um, then uh, I think there came a time when I kind of had enough, and I was just, you know, what? I'm just gonna talk shit anyway. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna be, and um, people will just have to feel what they feel in response to me. Um, and I think we're at this place in society where um, any more, like uh, you know, all lives matter. Or um, I don't see color. I think it's now it's 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 fucking ridiculous. Yeah. It's like you're a grown person playing make believe, and I think now that shit is getting called out, and it's nonsense. Yeah, and you can't hide as much from it. Yeah, the the circle is closing in terms of how we can really hide the fact that there's this underlying racial tension here. Yeah. There are unaddressed wounds and certain things people don't want to accept or face because then, you know, I then then have to do something about it. Yeah, I'll just look away, you know, from this society which is hurting people that I know, their fellow Americans. And I'll say, Oh yeah, slavery's bad. You shouldn't you shouldn't have slaves. But the effects of slavery, that's okay. I can be neutral about that. It's like, no, 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 no. That's not how that works. I don't even think people know that. I mean, the education need is so huge. True. It's true. That part. I'm not saying any, you know, I'm just saying that specifically no, benefits materially. And then even sometimes mm-hmm. I think even people that do think they know, they don't know, especially on a global scale of what that means. Like, where yeah. do you think this comes from? Who do you think mind the material? Why do you think that's allowed to happen? Yeah. Whose government allows that? that to happen? Yeah. Who doesn't have, you know, the autonomy of the United States government to say, you know what? No, you can't do this to people to make your fucking phone at this price point so everybody can afford it. Yeah, man. The people that make the rules are, um, you know, are just just as uh, just damaged people, you know, who haven't faced their shit. It's like, just like anybody else who hasn't faced their, their stuff, you know, their situation. Um but yeah, I definitely agree with that education piece. I think one big, um, you know, I, sometimes I have these dreams where I, I um, they're just they're daydreams where someone invites me into the Oval Office. So, okay, Broderick, you get to make, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. And, I, and it, it doesn't matter who the president is, but it's just, you get to make one executive order mm-hmm. that we're never allowed to change for the rest, <laughs> for the rest of the time. Isn't that beautiful? Right, right. I'm like, okay, I nice. like it. Well, 
I'm going to have K through 12 emotional intelligence courses, mm. right? It sets up people to develop empathy. And then that solves many, many, many issues um, throughout our country. All of the isms become a little bit harder to maintain if I feel, you know, myself hurting someone. Yeah. If I feel in tune with my own hurt and my own pain, then I know what that feels like in someone else. Um, but I think, yeah, as of late, I think allyship has been uh, a bit better, I would say. Um, How so? Um, just one, for one, one example, just, um, that image of, of, um, white protesters between, you know, black protesters in Louisville and in the police. Um, that's actually planned. I went to a black, black lives uh, matter, um, training organizer training a, a year or so back. And that was one of the things we were talking about doing that. Mm. Um, and, um, also just, think white folks being more outspoken on social media being um letting people know where you stand you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and i think it's I, I observe this with you know with the trump election you know the different different white white friends would tell me like yeah i was at dinner i was talking about oh this trump stuff is wild huh he's, he's racist all this and then their family members are like what no he's not and then they're like oh <gasps> You know, and then they sort of knew where that family member stood and they could, you know, confront them. They could, you know, not, but just knowing that, okay, there's, there's rats in the house, so to speak. Like there are racist people like right here close to me. Yeah. That still think this way about people that I know, people that I care about. Mm -hmm. And that's been inspiring. Seeing people saying, this is, this is, oh, this is where I stand. And then seeking out ways they can get involved, um, even if that means donating to certain organizations. Um, yeah, yeah. So I think that that's been nice, but it's just how much is it is it is it going to take? Because there are plenty of people out there who are just um, they might say things, this and that, but then they might just go right back into doing certain things that um, end up end up hurting black and brown communities. Um, but a lot, a lot of unknowns, man. A lot of unknowns. I mean, the problem is big, you know. It's not a little thing. We all got to do what we can do. We all got to yeah. do something, one meaningful thing, at least. And, and And if we can shift the needle in this lifetime. A little bit. That's, your whole, that's worth your whole life. If you can die saying, I made this change. We made it 10, 25, 50, 75% better. That makes, that gives your life meaning. That yeah. gives you one thing to do. But the problem is big. It's not like people, a lot of people at home, they think, well, I'm just going to tweet this. I'm just going to do that. I'm just going to think this. I'm just going to wear this shirt. I'm just going to, I'm just going to call everybody out that I know. That ain't going to do it. You have to do work, build coalitions. We have to work and apply political pressure to the apparatuses that are keeping people mm. hurting and, and, and without their own autonomy. Mm. it's not like people like people that's the other thing that i'm seeing on my uh, from from my friends there's a lot of people they say oh i'm gonna say the right things now i'm gonna do the right things now i'm gonna help uh maybe i'll write 20 dollar check maybe i'll write a hundred dollar check that this problem is way bigger than that our civilization exists because of being able to dominate other people in every 
material way from mm-hmm. the way mm-hmm. the materials in your car to to how who takes care of your mom when she's old to mm. who is built like everything is based on that domination it's not that you can wear a t-shirt and it's going to get better it's going to take doing a real project yeah I, you can't tell people what that's going to be for me i want to be i want to become a therapist so i can like push this mental health thing for communities that need it in all in all places, I want to do, de, you know dedicate my life to that. And if I can help enough, if I, as many people as I can, I can do a little bit. But it's it's going to take a life effort. It's all of us. It's, it's all gonna, of us together. It's going to take that focus to do it. It's not. It's not little. I'm sorry. I yeah. Speak. Well, speaking. Sorry for speaking the truth. <laughs> real though, man. It's real though. You know. And, and to add to that, right. We um we first need to see ourselves clearly, you know, and that's an inner that's an inner process, you know. And I think a lot of these conversations they start the confrontation. If someone's listening, it can spark a confrontation with oneself. So like, wait, hold on a second. What do I think, and why do I think, and how do I contribute to these things? And and then it, it continues. I still confront myself on certain things. We don't yeah. think after this live stream, I'll be like, hmm, I said that, but maybe there's there's more to that. It was more complex, right? Unpack that, or what about this other factors? It's, it's ongoing, um, but I think one of the key psychological mechanisms here, we're talking about white supremacy. If someone doesn't like themselves, and then they're hurting other people out of that, then what do they need? They need to learn how to love themselves. That ain't my. That's not my business. You know that that's 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 not even I say the white community's business. All right, everybody, we're gonna learn how to love ourselves together. You know, no. You, you, you go home, you know, and you do this inner work yeah. and you learn how to see your own pain and soothe your own pain and have empathy for yourself. And then once you do that and once you can feel that, then when someone is hurting, you don't see black, white, you don't see analysis. You see, oh, there's suffering there. I'm as desperate as they are mm. for liberation. I cannot stand for this, you know, it's access to feelings and really self-love. Once you relate to yourself with self-love, you relate to most others in that way too, because you can see your own suffering and then you can see the suffering of others. That's an inner, inner job. That's why the K through 12 emotional intelligence classes. Um, but it's, um, in a lot of ways, I think self-love is a form of activism that anyone can engage with. And we need to bury the hatchet with our own insecurities, our own like not liking ourselves. Um, because we always try to get away from ourselves. And when we try to get away from ourselves, you know, what, what ends up happening, I get cut off from the ways that I'm contributing to white supremacy, the ways that I'm not sort of putting that political pressure, um, you know, on systems that hurt people. You know, so it's, um, I, think, I think in these times, uh, the best thing, um, you know, as long as you're speaking up, speaking out, you know, engaging in different things, really doing that work, um, I'd say the inner work is just as important, you know, it doesn't have to be about, oh, you know, here I need to forgive myself for being racist or for contributing to white supremacy or for these reasons or that, that those reasons. Just forgive yourself for everything. Let it go. Stop. You know, see your own pain, embrace yourself, understand yourself, you know, love yourself. And then from that place, that's where activism can really bloom. From that place of 
I cannot stand for others to feel pain and I must do something about it because guess what? I looked at my own pain and I, I'm not going to stand by and watch myself be in painful situations. You know, I'm going to seek to change them. I'm going to engage myself with compassion. You know, activism can't be some philosophical idea. Yeah. It has to be because another person is suffering out there and you're going to do something because you can, because mm-hmm. you feel that it's a feeling, not an idea feeling um until we have access to that feeling it's still an idea it doesn't mean it's bad to just be acting on ideas you're doing something um but to really feel it and to really feel to that place that sees oneness you know it sees that interconnectedness really then now a black person's problem is your problem that's different than i'm just supporting you you know it's it's i have a fucking problem you know, with this and, um, and I'm going to, and I'm going to do something and that, that's, that's what it is. Almost like, um, loving, uh, just loving, loving someone like they were your child. That's what love is. That's what love is. Not to say that, you know, black people are kids and white people are dogs. That's not what I mean. It's, um, it's about love in that way. You would do anything. Yeah. You would do anything. It's of course. Like, like, of course yeah. you would do anything. Oh, exactly. So that's how this is how I sit with my clients. Exactly like that. In that state of awareness, as much as I can, as painful as it may be, I try to maintain a level of openness with them, feel that pain, and then the compassion flows, and I do what I need to do. You know, the same goes with myself, and that that comes from my own inner awareness of my own suffering and what it really feels like to suffer and face your suffering and feel that. Then it's oh crap people feel this way you know i just remember that you know some of those first first times when i started to really notice how much i was suffering yeah and then now I, I, i'm desperate for others to not feel this way yeah you know of course taking care of myself and all that but it has to be that mm. all of us make it or none of us do you know and that's and that's all or nothing i try to tell you know my clients all the time you know don't think all or nothing but this is one of those things it's um to really want to live in an enlightened society. That's what it's going to take: realizing our interconnectedness. Mm-hmm. You know. And from and, and if you're watching, uh, Dr. Broderick and I just recorded a few meditations. We're going to have some guided meditations coming out in the next week or two that you can do. And and one of the things that you said is once you can kind of observe your own emotional states, you can have that clarity. There's so many people like, what can I do? I don't know what that is for anybody. I can tell you it's probably bigger than you could imagine. And it's probably yeah. more of a yeah. commitment than you can imagine right now if you're new to this can conversation. Be. Can be, can be. But there are ways to be able to see what that is. And I'm just so grateful for your work to help all of us yeah. get there. I'm, I'm grateful to be able to even have the ability to... <laughs> help that process along yeah you know um yeah i I feel like um i'm playing with house money at this point (laughs) you know i didn't give a shit about my gpa you know (laughs) what i mean now you know (laughs) doctor in psychology and able to like help people in this way like i'm just i'm grateful to just be able to provide some relief for people and um to continue my own process, you know, 
to learn to embrace myself more and yeah, and give back as much as I can, man. So, yeah, difficult times, difficult times, man. This is the last few days. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and thank you for giving us a little bit of ease during this difficult time. Um, you know, just personally, my day is always better after I talk to you. And I know the more people that hear your voice are also going to feel that way. And now developing tools that are free for the people, whoever wants to download, um, you know, where anybody can tap into what, what you're offering. And I'm, I'm so grateful for your time. I'm great, great, grateful for your grace, your compassion, understanding, and, uh, and a mind that is focused on what is real and what is going to make a difference. Um, I find that just so, so incredibly valuable for me. And I know so many other people as well. And I can't wait to start sharing more of what we're making with them, the people in my life, the people online and just people in general and getting, getting more yeah. stuff out there. Yeah, man. Thanks for providing the space, man. Seriously. I always enjoy our conversations as well. It's, <laughs> you know, it helps me feel like we're, you know, we're doing something. We're here. <laughs> making a difference. More and more and more. Let's do it. We're doing yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. More and more and more. Yeah, man. Uh, we're, we're, we're running into that time where you turn into a pumpkin. Is there uh, anything else there you want to say? Anything else? Um, yeah, don't take any truths I claim to be final. Say that that's, one that's more time. I, yeah, don't take any truths that I'm saying mm. here or purporting here or claiming here to be final. Right. Just listen. Take it in and observe. Observe your own experience. Observe things as they ebb and flow. There's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of uncertainty here. Um, yeah, that, that's really what I would say. There it is. And love yourself. There it is. Be okay with whatever you're feeling right now and thinking, especially yeah. now, it sounds like. Especially now. Especially for people of color. Thank you, Dr. Broderick. Um, you can check us out over at Mental Health Media. We're launching a, uh, a new page just on meditation and free resources. That is not up yet. It will be in the next couple of weeks. Um, stay tuned to my feed right there on this live stream. You got my Twitter. You got Dr. Broderick's Twitter. Um, yes, yes. If you, like, uh, if you like what you hear, give us a subscribe. Share this feed. There's more to come. We're going to be doing this on Fridays for a That's while. Right. And uh, if you've got things you want us to talk about, let us know. Yeah, for real. If, uh, if you like it, let us know. If you don't like it, let us know. Um, just be nice. But uh, well, we could take it. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Well, thank you, doctor. Take care of yourself. Um, Will do. You too, man. And uh, we'll be in touch. Sounds good, man.